Hey everyone, this is your host, Dr. Ryan McConnell, an assistant professor in the physical therapy program at Belmont University. I invite you all to join me in gaining worldly advice through weekly episodes on all the PT hot topics that would interest you at any level of training. Welcome to Spilling the DPT. All right, well, we're here today on Spilling the DPT with Dr. Stephen Spoonmore Jr., uh, who's a physical therapist, and he's currently serving on active duty as a commander in the United States Public Health Service. Dr. Spoonmore is a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, also a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists, and completing his terminal degree through Bellin College, which is a DSC. He's currently stationed in Anchorage, Alaska, where he works with Alaskan Native populations in both primary care PT and outpatient rehab settings. Uh, The mission of the U.S. Public Health Service is to protect, promote, and advance the health and safety of our nation. In addition to clinical roles, he serves on an advisory or sub-advisory committees that provide input to the U.S. Surgeon General deploys in response to public health emergencies such as hurricanes, humanitarian missions, and the current COVID-19 pandemic. Aside from that, he and his wife, is it Carrie? Carrie, yes. Were married 15 years ago and they have four children. As a family, they enjoy hiking, fishing, camping, family movie pizza nights, soaking up the midnight sun in Alaska, and are learning to enjoy all of the winter activities in uh, the winter wonderland in Alaska. And I believe there's a few things there you probably left off. I, I don't know if you're a black belt or what that was, uh, but I know you also have some other things on there that you'll get a chance to share. But we wanted to, to thank you for coming on and really uh, talk about quite a bit of what you're currently doing, not necessarily in detail, but what your position entails and kind of how your career trajectory has been decided and advanced and just uh, have fun talking about those things. So... If you don't mind, Stephen, uh, would you share kind of what initially got you interested in uh, your current position? Sure thing. Let me just first and upfront, because I am a government official, um, put the disclaimer out there that you know anything we talk about today, these are my own comments and opinions and don't represent any official position of the uh, United States Department of Health and Human Services, the U.S. Public Health Service, the Indian Health Service, or South Central Foundation. I'm certainly grateful for all their support and help they've been in throughout my career. Uh, But these are my own opinions and thoughts as we talk today. But my journey into the public health service uh, goes back to 2008 when I was at an annual APTA conference and my wife and I are walking through the exhibition hall. We saw in the corner a, a little flag up in the corner that said student loan repayment. And I said, hey, Let's go check that out. What's this about? And that led us to uh, the individual who's doing recruiting. He became a mentor of mine, uh, Captain Joseph Struntz, who was there on behalf of the Indian Health Service uh, doing some recruiting for the IHS, for the U.S. Public Health Service, uh, and talking about their student loan repayment program, which we obviously decided was a good idea, and, and that kind of got my feet wet in the door. So I was able to start my career. I commissioned in 2009. Um, and went to Shiprock, New Mexico, where I worked uh, for a number of years there as an outpatient uh, clinician. And as I mentioned, uh, Captain Struntz, who is also a fellow of the uh, American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists, 
became a mentor uh, and really helped me grow clinically uh, and, and improve my skill set. And I saw the abilities that he had and um, wanted to obtain that, that level of expertise myself. And that really led me in the pathway into fellowship training and ultimately completing that in 2016 with Evidence in Motion. Yeah, that's, I would say that that's kind of where all of our journey just as a fellow in training starts as you see somebody and I know, for me, mine was uh, during residency, I watched a recording and uh, unfortunately, you know, I wasn't in the clinic with the person, but it was actually uh, Daniel Maddox and I was like, his, his questions are, are next level and I need to get, I need to get there somehow because there's a big gap. Um, but you also mentioned there's, a, you know, initial, I guess, interest in, in, um, in the military route, just in general, like um, whether it's Army, Navy, it, it, they all have some sort of loan repayment that you can get on. And obviously with the current uh, student loan debt problems that have probably expanded since even you graduated, that, that would get just about anybody interested. Um, and do you mind sharing what the service commitment or you know, what sort of obligation you had in signing that? Sure. So, um, to to seek a commission uh, with the U.S. Public Health Service, uh, I believe, is a two-year commitment um, initially, and then you know you are an officer, um, commissioned as such. You take the we take the same oath as any other officer in the, um, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, the other uniformed services, uh, and have the same ob- obligations, responsibilities. We enjoy many of the same benefits that they do. Uh, but then the loan repayment piece itself has its own um, set of uh, governance, if you will. So the, the Indian Health Service there is the primary means uh, within the U.S. Public Health Service. Or and let me clarify that um, the Indian Health Service and the U.S. Public Health Service are two different entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to mislead anyone to think there are routes as a civilian to work within the Indian Health Service. U.S. Public Health Service officers may serve within the Indian Health Service. They also serve within 20 other different federal agencies. My career pathway has been within the Indian Health Service, so I'm most familiar with that role as that's where I've spent the the last 11 years. Within the Indian Health Service itself, there are opportunities to seek student loan repayment. Um, The Indian Health Service has its own loan repayment program that physical therapists are eligible for. Uh, It is a very nice program, honestly. So for a two-year commitment, uh, you receive $40,000 in student loan repayment. With the opportunity to re-up, if you will, to extend that contract an additional year for an additional $20,000. And that can go on indefinitely until your loan balance is is paid in full. Uh, So you you could pay off $150,000 $150,000 plus of student loan debt if you continue to work within an approved uh, IHS position. That's incredible. I mean, <laughs> I think there's a lot of us that uh, that would probably raise eyebrows for. Um, any other details you feel like are uh, worthy of telling our listeners? Yeah. And so, I mean, I came into um, working within the Indian Health Service and, and re- uh, received a commission as an officer in the U.S. Public Health Service, and the carrot in the door for me was the loan repayment program. 
But once I got in, I realized so many other avenues and opportunities that uh, I really didn't even know about existed. And that's what's kept me. Uh, it's been a very fulfilling 11 years that I've been in uniform thus far. I have full intentions of, of continuing that until I'm eligible to retire. Uh, so some other opportunities that have come along um, are uh, working directly in committees that respond, as I mentioned in the intro, um, through what's called the Therapist Professional Advisory Committee. We actually can provide some input to the Office of the U.S. Surgeon General and, and in some ways have some influence on policies that are decided at the national level for our healthcare system, uh, which is pretty exciting you know, to think about opportunities to have a, a bigger role than just the direct patient care role that we have. Yeah. So walk me through that. I know obviously that, that sounds uh, really exciting and fulfilling. Did, when you were first commissioned, can you uh, kind of walk us through what, uh, even if it was just in percentage of administrative versus direct patient care, um, you know, just roundabout, like what, as, as you first entered um, service and, and to where you are now, kind of how that's evolved and what you see your career shaping out to be? Mm -hmm. So it started off as a, as a staff therapist. Um, so it was really a clinical role that I would say was 80% plus time uh, you know, treating patients. And then there were other administrative uh, duties that were along the side. I was fortunate to have um, a solid supervisor and a good tutelage not only as a, as a clinician, but also as an officer in which they helped um, facilitate time and opportunity for me to be involved in things that would allow me to continue to grow in both realms, both as a clinician and as an officer. And so that has expanded a little bit. My time is still primarily uh, clinical. Uh, I'm, I'm a clinician first. Um, I do have some other responsibilities now. I've moved up from being just members of different task force and, and committees to now being in charge of the education subcommittee, for example, that we have within our, our therapist professional advisory committee, where I coordinate uh, journal club meetings that we have on a quarterly basis and other educational opportunities, keep us abreast of emerging trends within um, within the field, not only of physical therapy, but also the other therapists. We have our occupational therapists, speech language pathologists, and audiologists. So uh, coordinating uh, different elements and, and opportunities for training for, for those different professions. Yeah, it sounds like you, you're able to do quite a bit. And I know uh, this, this could be just ignorance on my part, but um, obviously there's a lot of research and things that we see at CSM just as far as Army goes. And the ability to uh, have some role in imaging or uh, not necessarily pharmaceuticals, but making suggestions about over-the-counter things. And um, what's that look like on your end? Now, within the, uh, the positions within the public health service, there are two main areas where you'll, you'll be a, provide clinical care. One is within the Indian Health Service. The other was in the Bureau of Prisons. And both are a little unique. They serve unique populations. And the responsibilities, the extended advanced practice privileges that you would have vary somewhat on uh, the duty station where you're at. It's not uncommon uh, for PHS therapists to have access to imaging privileges. They can order plain film x-rays in particular 
um, perhaps ultrasounds. Um, but it, it's a little bit variable. It's not as streamlined as it is within the Department of Defense, where there are some set standards that in order to, um, to perform those skills, it's, it's more universal across the service. Ours is much more individualized to the service unit where you're at. Okay. So would that require, you know, I'm, I'm again showing my ignorance here, but additional uh, formal education in those areas or is it kind of like a, almost like a tech where you have on job training if, if the position demands it? Yeah, good question. And um, I can't speak to all the positions, but my experience has been that it was more on the job uh, training and being able to demonstrate clinical competence. Mm -hmm. I would take the approval of the medical uh, committee at the hospital. Uh, we're typically credentialed as members of the medical team. Mm -hmm. And so similar to advancing, uh, you know, a, a, another medical provider attaining privileges to work in a certain capacity, it goes through that review process up to the chief medical officer and the CEO. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. And I wanted, while we're on the topic of uh, primary care and, and just clinical life for you in general, for a lot of listeners out there, the idea or concept of primary care, physical therapists or triage, obviously there's some different things that uh, people could look to for just an idea like um, the VA, you know, potentially or Kaiser Permanente and you know, there's some of these models out there, but if you don't mind shedding just a little bit of light on what that exactly means or what you've seen across, uh, you know, the country, even in civilian life, uh, primary care, physical therapy. Yeah, sure. Um, and I've done some reading really about uh, the Kaiser Permanente model, um, looking at the VA model and some of the others, but I haven't had any direct um, interaction in those realms. But from what I understand, uh, the model that we use at South Central Foundation here in Anchorage, where I'm currently at, uh, is similar to that. Um, the, the model we bring in is uh, one of a consultant role. So the, the clinics are organized into pods. Each pod has a primary care provider with an RN case manager with a, a certified medical assistant and another individual called, the, they refer to as a case management support that helps manage the scheduling and things. And they operate as a team, as a unit. There are other individuals that come into that team. There'll be an integrated pharmacist. We have mental health professionals that integrate into the team that are there uh, on the same day as needed basis to meet the needs of the primary care team. And physical therapists are now becoming part of that integrated model. And so uh, there's really only one of us who's on, um, on the primary care floor at a time. And so I'm covering a number of different primary care clinics uh, and really just kind of there in a holding pattern waiting for uh, a consult to come through. And then at that point, I'm interacting with the patient. Uh, many times it's a, an acute injury that's occurred and we're providing the initial education, some initial treatment, and then helping to make decision-making downstream. Uh, some of that is aiding in the, the differential diagnosis, determining whether or not imaging would be appropriate, if referral to a specialist or to a, a therapy clinic, et cetera, would be appropriate or not. Um, in many cases, it's really just education to the patient, uh, helping to set the stage for recovery, 
uh, and then allowing them, you know, kind of giving them permission to get better almost mm-hmm. as where I, I see it a lot of times. Cause unfortunately our, our healthcare system is so influxed with the negative messages about pain and negative messages about um, the downsides of, of feeling discomfort that people come into the clinic worried and they're quite concerned about the symptoms they're feeling and being able to just shift their mindset and understand that the healing process will occur and that things will get better uh, can have a powerful impact. So that's a large part of what I end up doing in the primary care realm. Uh, but we also, it gives me a chance to interact on the other side of it. The other patient group of patients that I see are those that the ones that top, typically would not cross the door into the therapy clinic. Uh-huh. These are the folks that the primary care provider has been trying to do something active for a long time. Uh, the chronic persistent pain patient that is the no-show frequently in the PT clinic. And so I'll have an opportunity there, there in primary care to meet this person, to talk with them, to help build some bridges and some connections and then shift that trajectory if and when they're ready into more active management strategies and put them on a pathway towards a better health and recovery. Yeah, and to be clear, uh, Stephen, you're, you're talking, um, and I'm just going to add some elements of clarification. So when you're looking at, you mentioned injuries, um, so it's been established that this is likely a musculoskeletal involvement, and that's where you take role. You're not in there deciding if somebody has, um, you know, a, a kidney stone versus, you know, low back pain, or is that part of um, your role? It could be. Uh, and it's, I found that it's, it varies depending on uh, the primary care team I'm working with um, and the level of confidence that that team has, um, one, in, in myself and my skills, and two, within uh, the team's ability to differentiate um, some of those disorders. So I do occasionally have uh, a mask to come in and there are, you know, things are fuzzy, to be honest. I think as, as an outpatient physical therapist, um, we often see things after the initial push and they're more clear. When someone's first coming into the primary care uh, setting, there's a lot more differential diagnosis to be done. And certainly the systemic pathology and those other visceral conditions is always forefront in, in my mind and ensuring that it's not something that looks like just low back pain that's masquerading as something else. Right. And, and I know um, you and I have talked a lot about this and feel free if there's ever information that is, um, is, is proprietary or that you can't reveal, but do you use um, certain things to help you in your day to day? Some of the triage uh, for MSK or even red flags that were taught in fellowship or residency or sometimes even entry level programs like, um, for instance, OzPro, YF or RF, uh, even start back tool? Are there different tools that help you in your day-to-day? Yeah, those are things we're working on. Um, we haven't formally adopted implementation of, of any of those tools yet. Informally, um, I have the, the questions to the start back. They're relatively simple, straightforward, nine questions. So I have those elements in my mind. And as I'm meeting and talking with the person, I'm listening for those elements to come out. Um, I may ask them directly, ask them those questions 
so that I can make some informed decision-making based on the love likelihood of recovery or not recovery. Um, so we don't have any formal tools that we've necessarily adopted. It's actually one of the projects that we're currently working on um, is, is developing a system to do that. But certainly having an awareness of those, knowing the content of those predictive factors absolutely aids in my decision-making. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of where it doesn't matter where you are in the country. I'd say they're, they're still relatively, some of those are pretty new tools just when we talk about OzPro and getting integrated into workflow widespread uh, would be pretty, pretty uh, advanced, I'd say, for some, some organizations to have already streamlined that. Um, I know once in a while, or actually a little bit ago, you and I talked a little bit about some important things to consider just as far as physical therapists out there potentially working in a primary care setting, such as uh, communication with support staff or uh, relationship with the, you know, overseeing physician or nurse practitioner. Would you mind speaking to some of that and some of those keys you shared with me a few months ago? Oh, absolutely. Um, communication really is key. Uh, and I would say that that makes or breaks. Uh, we, we know as, as clinicians that makes or breaks the therapeutic alliance and the ability for people to really move forward is whether or not they have that confidence in themselves, that confidence in their healthcare team. But within the team itself, the ability to uh, build relationships with the primary care teams that I work with, um, certainly those with which I have a stronger relationship, I get more calls and contacts. Uh, and I'm asked to, to weigh in on things in a different way versus the primary care teams that I haven't had the opportunity to build those, those kinds of relationships with yet. Um, the calls are less frequent from them. And so uh, effective ways to build that communication. Uh, you know, I, what I found is if I can, uh, and a model that we, we continually practice and advocate here at South Central Foundation uh, is always closing the loop. So if I, you know, I'm asked to go in and see someone, I touch in as best I can, or we usually have a very brief face-to-face -face visit uh, between the, the, the primary care team and myself as a handoff. Hey, this is so-and-so, this is why they're here. Uh, this is what we're, you know, their concerns are. This is what I'm concerned about, or this is what I'm thinking. I'd like to hear your input. And then after I work with the patient, I come back and I'll report back and just close the loop on the dialogue uh, saying, well, this is what I found. Yes and no. Um, I maybe I'm considering something else that I would also put into the mix. And then that aids in that mutual decision making, uh, not only between the the providers ourselves, but also including the patient into the loop, so that we're we're all on the same page at the end of the day. I found the op when I have opportunity to to do a co visit. So if the primary care provider's there, we're both there analyzing, examining, and then treating the patient together in, in unison, that that builds a strong therapeutic alliance between all three members that are there and, and really has been um, very well received by the providers that I get to work with. They feel much more empowered with our skill set and what we bring to the table as physical therapists and have a better understanding of this uh, sort of nebulous black box that is physical therapy uh, that they hear about, but many of our primary care providers uh, that I've found don't have a lot of depth of experience of what, what it looks like uh, within a physical therapy setting. 
Yeah, I'd say that that's that's something that's probably echoed around at least this country as far as uh, some some knowledge gaps on what each professional does and and kind of where the right place is to step in or step back and that goes to more than just a physician and physical therapist relationship. It could be uh, pharmacy or, or anything else. Next question I wanted to ask you about was um, just as far as your opinion on where you think physical therapy, whether it's civilian or, or any other um, uh, industry or life, uh, where do you think that primary care sits in the future of physical therapists and um, kind of our practice act and everything moving forward? You know, I, I hope that we continue to have an ever growing presence in that realm. I'm a full supporter uh, and firmly believe that we should have direct access, that patients should have the choice to see a physical therapist as their primary means for care, uh, particularly if we're dealing with musculoskeletal conditions. Um, yet, you know, we know that in 2012, for example, data was published uh, by John Childs that it's only 7% of those within their military health setting that they looked at uh, received care for, for low back pain by a PT. Uh, and then subsequent studies looked at it again, and, and really the numbers haven't shifted a whole lot. The reality is people um, seek care from the primary, from their primary care physician. And so... I think we really need to move upstream to have a greater opportunity to work collaboratively uh, with our primary care providers uh, and, and give, give patients the best choice for care, whichever route they choose, whether they, they choose to see a chiropractor, a physical therapist, an acupuncturist, the, to go to the primary care provider or to stay home and manage things on their own. Um, I believe we need to empower people to receive the best education they can receive. And that comes through mutual collaboration. That comes through educating our, as our, our healthcare system as a whole. Uh, so that's, that's one element I think that we can really bring to the table moving upstream into primary care is we, we have the opportunity to ensure that the, the education that's out there is sound, it's evidence-based and represents uh, the best care that's there. Um, in, but bigger than that, I mean, bigger than that, I think we have also got to get beyond treating conditions and helping to improve quality of life. I mean, so much of what we can bring to the table and some of the initiatives we're looking at currently where I'm at is how do we uh, look at things more holistically, providing functional assessments and preventative inputs that keep people healthy. So rather than sick care, can we really start providing health care again and keep people healthy rather than waiting for them to become sick and injured, damaged before we start to intervene? Um, so I would love to see physical therapists more involved in primary care in that preventative realm, uh, that there is that, that one-year physical that comes in, that part of that physical is a movement exam, uh, such as the APTA is advocated for, so that we're looking ahead at what we can do to keep people physically active and strong because we know of the, the long-term health benefits that that brings. Yeah. And I, I can say just from, um, you know, an academic standpoint and also working kind of through the spectrum of physical therapy outpatient and continuing education, that is, it, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I mean, finding 
things for interprofessional education or uh, collaborative teaching opportunities within the, the university context for entry-level programs or even in educating undergrad, uh, it's hard to take steps forward without really like a firm, um, united, you know, vision for what healthcare should look like. And it is so kind of fragmented and there's a lot of angst and, and um, unrest just from not just a provider standpoint, but also patient standpoint that I feel like it is almost at critical mass where things do need to change. And we have huge opportunity, like you mentioned, from instead of tertiary care, kind of looking at primary prevention, wellness, and, and that sort of, uh, you know, those sort of opportunities where we have a huge amount of skill set and uh, ability to serve people. Um, do you see that, or do you feel like personally that um, anyone, what, what entities could help solidify that message or what, what do you envision being kind of the first few steps in uh, progress towards those goals? Well, that's a big question. Yeah, you're um, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I really want to be positive and optimistic because I believe that as physical therapists and the level of our education uh, for students coming out of school, I feel it continues to elevate. It continues mm -hmm. to be stronger and stronger. And our, our new generations of therapists coming out have this more global holistic view that they're looking at, at the whole person. They're looking at wellness. They're looking at how do we maintain longevity. Um, and so I'm, I'm enthusiastic. I'm confident with what we see there. At the same time, we have this internal struggle that seems to continue to be there that we're, we're, we're entrenched in camp still and our identity as a profession is still nebulous. Yeah. Uh, and until we can really be united and have that strong front pushing forward as to who we are, it's going to be difficult for us to really have a strong voice within the greater healthcare um, entity and, and the decision-making that comes forward. Uh, so I think the first step I, I think is continuing to, uh, to define and refine who we are as a profession and, and recognize that there are many different pathways that a patient can follow, that a person can follow towards wellness. And rather than kind of nitpicking and trying to identify is, is my group superior to the other group, but recognize that both have value uh, and, and being able to move forward with a more mutual respect for each other within our, our different camps within the physical therapy profession would be my right. first, my first objective. And then, you know, from there, I think we need to then be able to reach out across the board and build those relationships with other professions uh, and bring the message in a united front so that it's not just, um, well, this is what the physical therapist says, and this is what the orthopedic surgeon says, but this is what the evidence says. This is what we found to be solid. And there's benefits to the surgery route, and there's benefits to a traditional route. And then allow the patient to begin to make the decision. Um, so, so getting that collaborative care so that everyone is on the same page, I think, I guess would be my yeah, and I, I think you're right. There's so much upside to that, and that's probably what everybody wants. And definitely, definitely, we're uh, capable professionals to do that. So I, I agree with you. And 
I appreciate your words of encouragement really there for the whole profession. And I think that um, obviously you and I are not alone in uh, that vision. Um, just looking at the time here, I wanted to give you an opportunity to answer a couple of the favorite questions of the show and uh, wrap things up. But um, what, Stephen, are you currently doing to develop professionally or personally? Yeah, so as was mentioned, I'm, I'm working a Doctor of Science. Uh, and in fact, Ryan and I are working together on a research project um, with that. And that's consuming a, a lot of my time right now, as it's a pretty, pretty onerous, but uh, growing a lot and learning more about how to conduct research, the ins and outs and being a better consumer of the research and the literature as well as refining my abilities to teach um, and hopefully become a better mentor and instructor. I have hopes to move in more into the academic world uh, once I retire from the U.S. Public Health Service. Um, and so those are really my professional development that I'm currently involved in. On a personal note, um, and, and just to clarify, I am a, a white with yellow belt in Taekwondo. Uh, it's a new venture for me uh, that we, my family and I started studying Taekwondo this summer. Uh, so it's exciting. I'm learning um, a new realm and, and developing some new skills. I'm learning just how stiff my hips have become <laughs> in the last few years. So it's great for my own, uh, my own health and well-being. Uh, but it's fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, being able to learn that uh, and, and gaining a lot from it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So sorry that I never, uh, have done any martial arts or anything like that. So, um, there's, there's, a my disclosure on that. Um, and then what would you say that you're currently most passionate about Steven? You know, I'm, I'm most passionate about this primary care model uh, that I've, I really enjoy being there working directly alongside the primary care teams that I'm with. Um, it's very rewarding um, personally and professionally, you know, um, being able to, to see firsthand changing someone's trajectory. Uh, the person that comes in the clinic that, you know, the first intake is, wow, this, this person could go one way or they could go the other. This could be a persistent pain that's emerging or hopefully we can help this person on, on the, the pathway going the other direction. And to be part of that is really, really rewarding. Um, so that, that's really, I, I would say more of my, my passion lies the most is building that capacity and, um, and hopefully developing a program where we can train other therapists within the U.S. Public Health Service, within the Indian Health Service, uh, and to move into this realm. I've been... Uh, slowly developing um, a model, a program that I would like to propose for implementation in the future on, on just how to train therapists to have the best success working in the primary care environment. That sounds like something that everybody needs to stay tuned for. And then last question there for you, Stephen, would be um, what would you say in the last, maybe uh, who, who knows, it could be six months to a year, the biggest lesson you've learned or taken away from uh, the year, what, what would that be for you? The value of face-to-face -face 
human interaction. Uh, you know, in the last seven months, as the COVID-19 pandemic has been going forth, it's really manifested to me personally the value of those face-to-face interactions that, um, because of the social distancing and isolation, um, have been you know, not as, as prevalent. And so it, sometimes you don't miss things. You don't recognize how much you miss something or you value it until it's absent from you. And I think that transcends uh, with across patient care to professional communication, uh, to family life, to things in general. Um, take advantage of the opportunities to meet with the people in your life um, and let them know how much you value them uh, and have that mutual respect for each other. Yeah, I'd say that everybody again could echo that. Um, it's been a challenge for sure. And lastly, Stephen, just as far as uh, if any of the listeners had any further questions about your career or wanted to reach out, what would be the best way to contact you? Yeah, email is probably the, the best way, uh, which is um, stephen.spoonmore. There's an E in the middle, S-P-O-O-N-E-M-O-R-E at southcentralfoundation.com. Uh, and that'll be, I'm, I'm sure, Ryan, you can put that uh, contact in the, the minutes of the, the meeting there. Yeah. Do that. yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely do that so people can reach out and um, definitely great resources. And there'll be a couple things in the show notes for you. And uh, just want to take this opportunity again to, to thank you, Stephen, for jumping on here and really sharing some of those things that you're passionate about. And obviously, there's a ton of information that our listeners could take uh, from this and, and benefit from. So just wanted to thank you. Hey, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks, Ryan. And that's all for this episode of Spilling the DPT. If you like this episode, please feel free to drop us a review and subscribe for Endless Tea and follow me on Instagram at Spilling the DPT. We are found where all great podcasts live. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. We look forward to spilling with you all next time.
And that's all for this episode of Spilling the DPT. We'll look forward to spilling with y'all next time. And if you don't mind, in the meantime, drop us a rating and a comment. And we'll look forward to you tuning in next time.